minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
J.M. in the A.M. Animamin through the ages is how Simcha Liner uh, refers to that medley. In this case, an acapella medley as he has re-released his uh, most recent album in acapella form that we're enjoying now during the uh, middle part of Sphira at J.M. in the A.M. L'chadodi, that was uh, from Chassidish Otros. Melach Rachamon, a selection by uh, Rabbi Lenny Oppenheimer of Israel. Uh, he has some great original selections. Vahayu and Mimkomcha, done by Eli Gerstner and Echevra. Bitachom with Yom Shabbason. Shalom Aleichem from Shabbos Dig Otsros. Keladon from Rabbi Lenny Oppenheimer. And Regesh with Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this May 8th, the 14th of ER. Today is Pesach Sheni. And some people actually did go with my suggestion of having a Pesach Seder last night. Uh, if they uh, either missed it or were preoccupied. You know, they were dealing with people who were ill. They were uh, on the front lines. Whatever the case is, there are a million different situations. 
Uh, but there are people who uh, sat down with their family and uh, enjoyed some wine and matzah and observed Pesach Sheni a little bit more than they would have in a typical year. Zerav Shabbos Parshas MR, and today is day number 29 in the counting of the Omer, four weeks in one day, day number 29. Again, Erev Shabbos MR with candle lighting at 739 on this Erev Shabbos. 739 is candle lighting time. Sunday is Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy Mother's Day to all the grandmothers out there. Happy Mother's Day to all the great-grandmothers out there. And happy Mother's Day to all the great-great-grandmothers out there, including our friend and neighbor Rose Nachman who this week became a great, great grandmother, which is amazing, unbelievable, and incredible. Can't wait to wish her a mazel tov personally. Tuesday is Lagba Omer, our big Jewish music show. Obviously, we'll have a full three hours of incredible music for you this coming Tuesday on Lagba Omer. 50 degrees, rain today in New York with a high 56. Rain early tonight, low 36, and tomorrow mostly sunny and windy with a high of 50 degrees. I think they said that the only... That the last time there was snow or flurries in the New York area on May 8th was January, excuse me, it was May of 1977. May of 1977. We may get some flurries later on in this area, which would be really unbelievable. Um, I want to thank those who are uh, listening out there all around the world, including our good friend listener Edie, who points out on the app, Nachum, every morning I wake up and I'm confused what day of the week it is. Yeah, don't worry, Edie. All, all of us are. <laughs> this morning I woke up early, put on your live stream, heard the Shabbos Miros, and immediately knew it was Friday even before 6.05 when you announced that it was Friday. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You as well, Edie. Have a wonderful Shabbos. You, you may be like, you know, 30, 40, not even, not even 30, 40 feet away from us because Edie's our next-door neighbor. But I never get to see her because of the uh, COVID-19 uh, restrictions at the moment. But hopefully soon. Friday morning, JM and the AM at 20 minutes before the hour. Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He will join us coming up at 7.40 Eastern Time this morning here at uh, JM and the AM. So he will be uh, with us for the weekly update. Or by Uden, of course, on Parsha's MR coming up. Uh, Mayor Weingarten, I've asked him to join us um, to introduce... Well, you know what? I think I'll just wait it out and let him explain uh, what's happening over this Shabbos. And uh, we'll also talk about the Hebrew Free Burial Association later on in the 7 o'clock hour as well. So action-packed, fun-filled show, as you can imagine, here on a Friday morning at JM in the AM. More from our good friend Rabbi Lenny Oppenheimer at JM in the AM.
Shabbos with a beautiful song. The Chazan had a voice that was clear and strong. He sang out his one all Shabbos long. Then Marib came again, I had to be moving on. Shabbos was carried on a song. Whoa, I asked the man, I saw how many Jews in this town. He said to me, there used to be a million around. But one of us passed away and we've been feeling down. Yet now it seems as though another Jew has been found. Won't you stay? For Shabbos, Minion Man. Oh, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Please, won't you stay with us for Shabbos, Minion Man? Gotta keep on giving. Gotta open up your hands. Gotta keep on giving. For every woman, every man. Gotta keep on giving, keep on giving. Gotta open up your hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta keep on giving, keep on giving. Every woman, every man. Ooh. Met a man on the street holding a cup. He said, "Please, won't you help me, son?" I used to be at the top of the ladder, now I'm sitting on the bottom rung. It wasn't long ago I was just like you. Might seem strange, but it's very true. Then he looked at me started to sing, and this is what he said, gotta keep on giving, keep on giving, gotta open up your hands, yeah, 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 I gotta keep on giving, keep on giving, for every woman, every man, I gotta keep on giving, keep on giving, I gotta open up your hands, yeah, 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 gotta keep on giving, keep on giving, for every woman, every man, I was walking away, but the man said, stop, gotta listen a little more. I used to always stop at people like me, lying there on the floor. Now it seems the tables are turned, there's a lesson you must learn. Try to understand what I've been through, and get 
me on track again. Gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. Gotta open up your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. For every woman, every man. Ooh. I gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. Gotta open up your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. For every woman, every man. Ooh. I said, cancer, you've opened my eyes as I took out a little change. Cause you see the same faces all the way up. You see all the way down again. I won't forget the words you've said. You just like me, but I've got the bread. And with a wink of an eye and a grateful grin, he said, God bless you, son. Gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. Gotta open up your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. woman, every man. Ooh. Gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. Gotta open up your hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. woman, every man. Gotta help your neighbor across the street Put this city back on its feet Smile at everyone who passes by Gotta say to all around we care If you falter we'll be there When you laugh we laugh and when you cry we cry Gotta keep on giving Gotta open up your hands Gotta keep on giving To every woman, every man I gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. I gotta open up your hands. Yeah, yeah. I gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. To every woman, every man. I gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. I gotta open up your hands. I gotta keep on giving. Keep on To every woman, every man. I gotta keep on giving. Keep on giving. I gotta open up your hands. Gotta keep on giving. To every woman, every man. J.M. in the A.M., we did uh, Keep on Giving and Minion Man from Schlock Appella by Lenny Oppenheimer before that with Yigdal. I played Keep on Giving because I'm asking everybody to keep on giving. We're in the middle of our 2-7. Uh, two, seven, two, seven. I didn't know if I should say 5780 or 2020. We're in the middle of our, of our 2020 fundraiser. And we're asking everybody to go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org. And give as generously as possible. A lot of donations yesterday. i got to go through them at some point today on the show. A lot of great donations yesterday, and I thank you. A lot of wonderful, uh, a lot of wonderful uh, messages as well, and I thank everybody. I want to thank Bob Fenichel, Spring. I keep saying spring instead of starting with silver. Uh, silver Spring, Maryland. Today's JM in the AM, a Friday Erev Shabbos, Pesach Sheni edition. Is sponsored by loyal listener Bob Fenichel of Spring. Of, I keep doing that. Of Silver Spring, Maryland. Thank you so much, Bob. Um, he is another one of the listeners and supporters we have who thinks of every reason to give to JM and the AM, and I thank him for that. So again, today's JM and the AM broadcast sponsored by loyal listener Bob Fenichel of Silver Spring, Maryland. And I wish you a wonderful Shabbos and thank you for all your support. Plus, all the donors, thank you for your support, and we'll get to uh, more of you. A little later on in this uh, broadcast. Pesach Shani morning on an Erev Shabbos Parsha's MR with candlelighting in New York, 739. Again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, Log Bomer is Tuesday. we got a big music show coming up Tuesday. Malcolm Honline will join us in the 7 o'clock hour. We'll talk about the uh, weekly update. The... Um, the news uh, that affects Israel and the Jewish world this week. We'll do all of that coming up. Andrew Parver is director of operations for the Hebrew Free Burial Association. 
and uh, he's going to join us coming up. Um, Hebrew Free Burial Society. He's going to join us coming up as well. And uh, that'll be in the 7 o'clock hour. And as I said, Rabbi Yudin and plenty more will wrap things up at 9 o'clock this morning here at JMM. I've invited Mayor Weingarten on. There's a reason. We'll explain later on. There is a reason why I've asked him to join me this morning here at JM in the AM. And we'll get to that. Uh, so, again, big thank you to everybody who's been supporting us. It's much appreciated. Keep it coming, as we say. Uh, Log Bomer is an interesting day. We have the big music show, as we keep telling you, which is a tradition here every year. In addition, I am going to be uh, emceeing the Migdal R concert to support the Migdal R COVID-19 fund in Israel under the direction of the beloved Rabbi Grossman. Uh, this Lagba Omer, Migdal R hosts a global live stream entitled Together as One. For the first time in music history, the great Eli Gerstner is bringing together three of the world's greatest Jewish performers, Yaakov Shweki, Mordechai Ben-David, and Yishai Rebo, for an exciting and powerful evening of music to benefit Israel's shield, Migdal R's COVID-19 relief fund. Join us for an inspirational concert to raise funds for Israel's most vulnerable families, children, and seniors affected by the coronavirus pandemic. 100% of donations go directly to this fund, providing food and essentials to over 40,000 people. Reserve your seat, quote-unquote, by going to Migdal R event. R is with an H. R is with an H in the middle. MigdalRevent.com. MigdalRevent.com. And we look forward to presenting that to you on Tuesday night in what will be an exciting and amazing concert. This portion of NSN programming is brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage in Delhi is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. Check out A&H today. And I have another method for you to check out A&H. Aside from you going to your supermarket, go to kosherdogs.net. Go to kosherdogs.net. Dot net and any A&H product that's now available will be 10% off with promo code radio, kosherdogs.net. And again, use promo code radio, kosherdogs.net. Use promo code radio. Speaking of promo code radio, don't forget that our friends at Art Scroll have 30% off on all their cookbooks. Uh, the lowest prices ever. Um, the sale ends this coming Monday, so check it out. Go to artscroll.com, artscroll.com. And you can use promo code RADIO when ordering the Panay Menachem, the brand new stories and lessons of Torah leadership, compassion, and empathy from the life of Rav Pinchas Menachem, Alter of Ger. The Panay Menachem is available now. You can order it and save 15% with promo code RADIO. You can also pre-order Living Emuna at artscroll.com and save 10%. With promo code radio. My gosh, this promo code is doing quite a job, isn't it? Woo! Very proud. So go to artscroll.com for all the details. Again, that's artscroll.com for all the details and to make sure to check it out. Earlier this week, Rabbi Yoshua, Rabbi Josh Fast was with us. An unbelievable analysis about why the um, desire to move to Israel is stronger than ever now in the Jewish world. Um... Yeah, I think that's the way to put it, right? It's stronger than ever now in the in the Jewish world. Uh, basically, all you got to do is go to um, uh, our website or our app, NahumSiegel.com, or, of course, the app, uh, the NahumSiegel Network app for Android and iPhone, and check out the interview. It's under JMNAM Interviews, under the news section. You'll find it in a variety of places. Really a remarkable 
conversation, which I think you'll find fascinating, especially if you have a desire to get to the Holy Land as soon as possible. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Golly, it's on the background. Do our news from Israel coming up? Some rain in the New York area later on. 36 the low for tonight. Imagine it's the month of May. <laughs> 36. And they're even talking about some flurries tonight, possibly in this area, which, as I said, would be the first time there's snow in New York in May since 1977. Imagine that. Support us and support our fundraiser. We'll get to thanking some of our listeners and supporters a little later on. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and to do what you can to support us during our fundraiser. Galitzal in the background. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from Jam in the AM. על השעה שתיים, כאן אילנה אהרונוב עם מה שקורה עכשיו. תשעה בני אדם נפצעו בתאונת דרכים בין שני כלי רכב בכביש 981 סמוך לחורשת טל שבגליל העליון. מצבם של שלושה קשה, אחד נפצע באורח בינוני וחמישה קל. כתבנו בצפון גיא ורון מוסר כי הם פונו באמצעות אמבולנסים של מגן דוד אדום ומסוקים של צה"ל לבתי החולים רמב״ם בחיפה וזיו בצפת. מניין החולים מקורונה בישראל עלה מאמש בחמישה בני אדם ומניין המתים מקורונה בישראל עלה מאמש בחמישה בני אדם ועומד כעת על 245. 63 חולים חדשים אובחנו ביממה האחרונה, אך מספר החולים הפעילים ירד ל-5,157, לאחר שמספר המחלימים עלה ל-11,007. כתבנו לענייני בריאות מאיר מרציאנו מוסר כי מספר החולים המונשמים מוסיף לרדת ועומד על 64 בני אדם. תנועת האוטובוסים באזור הר מירון תופסק מיום ראשון הקרוב ועד ליום רביעי כדי לא לאפשר לציבור להגיע לאזור שבו תוכננה להתקיים ההילולה השנתית בל"ג בעומר ובוטלה עקב מגפת הקורונה. המשטרה תחסום את הצירים המובילים אל ההר וגם היסעים פרטיים יאסרו. כתבנו אליאב בטיטו מוסר כי יופעלו קווים ייעודיים לתושבי האזור והם יוכלו להשתמש בהם בהצגת תעודה מזהה. שלושת החשודים באיומים על בנו של ראש הממשלה, בנימין נתניהו, שוחררו לביתם בתנאים מגבילים. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת כי הם נחקרו משעות הבוקר בלהב 433, לאחר שראש הממשלה נתניהו התלונן בגין האיומים. בהפגנה שנערכה מול מעון ראש הממשלה, אמר פעיל השמאל חיים שדמי, יאיר, אנחנו יודעים למה אתה צריך מאבטחים, יום אחד תהיה בלי מאבטחים. 174 אלף בקשות לקבלת הפעימה השנייה של מענק הקורונה לעצמאים אושרו ושולמו, כך לפי נתוני רשות המיסים. 114 אלף מהזכאים יקבלו גם את הפעימה השלישית המשולמת לעצמאים שמחזורם עד 300 אלף שקלים וגובה עד 3,000 שקלים. כתבנו לענייני כלכלה ניתאי ענבי מוסר כי בכך מימשו כשליש מהעצמאים העומדים בתנאי המענק את זכאותם. תפיסת חילוץ מאספת של ישראייר מתשכנת בירת אוסבקיסטן דרך בקו בירת אזרבייג'אן תנחת בנמל התעופה בן גוריון אחרי הצהריים במטוס 88 ישראלים ו-23 עולים חדשים מאוסבקיסטן כתבתנו לענייני תעופה עינב קרנר מוסרת כי 50 אזרחי אוסבקיסטן, אזרבייג'אן, ניצלו את הטיסה כדי לשוב מתשכנת לביתם בבקו. מזג האוויר עלייה ניכרת בטמפרטורות וייתכן אובך בדרום הארץ, מחר תחול התקררות וצפוי גשם מקומי בצפון הארץ ובמרכזה. קיים חשש קל משיטפונות במדבר יהודה ובים המלח. אלה החדשות. 
Shabbos Shalom. 
Oh, my God. 
JM in the AM, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, Me'en Olam Haba, Ka'ech Sof before that. I got my Shabbos, that was Shlach Rock from Shlach Capella. Shabbos, he done by Barry Weber, and eighth day had Aye Mekom Kivodo here at JM in the AM. Good morning, all. Thanks for joining us. Day 29 in the counting of the Omer. It's Pesach Sheni. Today is Pesach Sheni. I should do a Pesach medley, shouldn't I? Shouldn't I do some type of Pesach medley? I don't know. I don't know how many people want to remember Pesach 5780, frankly. Although, thank God, for most it was a really beautiful, wonderful family Pesach. Just much, much, much different than we thought it would be and with a lot less people than we thought it would be. Um, yeah. Some people did take advantage of the fact that last night and today is Pesach Sheni. And actually held some type of Seder with the wine and matzah just because uh, their Pesach this year, if they were Hatzalah members, frontline workers, people who were sick during Pesach, uh, their their Pesach was much different. So I thought that was a good idea. And sure enough, at least it did happen uh, partially. A part, part of what I was hoping would happen happened. I thought last night we'd be able to have a major get-together with family and friends who we didn't see on Pesach for obvious reasons, but... Didn't quite work out. Today's broadcast sponsored by loyal listener Bob Fenichel of Silver Spring, Maryland. Thank you, Bob. And thanks to all of you out there who are supporting us during our 2020 fundraiser. Candlelighting 739 in this area of Shabbos Parshas MR. Sunday is Mother's Day, as we keep reminding you. Don't forget, Sunday is Mother's Day. Remember all the moms out there. Tuesday is Lagba Omer, our major Lagba Omer special. Happens uh, on Tuesday. I want to thank those who've been donating. Um, starting with those who started to uh, pl- pledge and donate yesterday morning. A big thank you to listener Leah. Um, listener Leah says, thank you, Nacha, for bringing us all together, uh, especially during this time. Leah from Jerusalem. Thank you very, very much for that. Uh, listener Aliza, Aliza, thank you, and thanks to your entire family. Thank you, Nachum, for all the information and chizuk you provide. Much appreciated. And thank you for that. Listener Janet can always, always depend on listener Janet and her wonderful family. Thank you so much for your donation. They were part of yesterday's list of wonderful donors. Listener Devora says, good luck on your fundraising. We love your programming. That's Noah and Devora Fox and family in Crown Heights, New York. Thank you guys very, very much for that. A donation of $100 plus $26 from Richard on the Upper West Side. Thank you, Richard. Much appreciated. Uh, a four times high donation from uh, from Razel in uh, Brooklyn, New York. Thank you very much. Um, a one hundred dollars donation from a listener, Michael. Thank you, Michael. A a, ten, a twenty times high donation, a twenty times high donation from Suki and Ding. And a big thank you to Sarah and Ding. I, I texted Ding afterwards. I said, it's remarkable to have you among the people who really gets what we are doing here every single day. And he says, boy, I get it all right. And I thank him. And I thank everybody who's acknowledging the great work that we continue to do after 35 years. Uh, listener Daniel says, I love the network in Ranana. Thank you. And best regards to everybody in Ranana. And by the way, regards to you from uh, some, of the folks in, uh, some of the folks in Oakland, California as well. Uh, listener Ellen um, sent in a donation last night of $100. Thank you, Ellen. Remember, it's fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. 
Uh, a memory, or I should say rather a donation of $100 was made by listener Robin in memory of Bernard Novik Baruch Ben Yosef. Again, in memory of Bernard Novik Baruch Ben Yosef. Thank you very much, Robin. Um, listener Zev has donated $50, and we thank you. And um, Philip and Shelley, listeners, Philip and Shelley are listening from Israel, and they have sent in double chai, and we thank them for that. We encourage everybody to follow the example of all the listeners who this week so far have been supporting our JMNAM fundraiser. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and we thank you. More coming up. This is JM in the AM. Yom Yona Matsavomanoak Vishamyanu Kuyegiekoak Yona Yona Matsa Yona Matsavomanoak Vishamyanu Kuyanu J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Pesach Sheni, Erev Shabbos, day 29 in the counting of the Omer. 
Andrew Parver is with us live via telephone. He's director of operations for the Hebrew Free Burial Association. You can imagine as uh, unbelievable a cause as they are all the time, you can imagine how important a cause they've been for the Jewish world now during COVID-19. Andrew Parver, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Nice to speak with you, sir. So uh, we know that... um, uh, Hebrew free burial in general is there when there's somebody in our faith in our community whose family cannot afford, or if there is no family, to afford uh, a proper burial. Uh, can I assume that your efforts and those of the people at Hebrew free burial have been uh, have been aggressively uh, uh, that they have been uh, <laughs> that you you're a lot busier. Let's put it that way. You're a lot busier than you are uh, during normal times. Yeah, we've been uh, tested the last few months, um, but I think we've, we've passed it. Um, nor, you know, just to give you perspective, uh, last, we're doing our 260th funeral today, uh, May 8th. Last year, that was on October 30th. Wow. Um, you know, we, you know, we're definitely, you know, we're, we've been pushed strong since March 1. Um, we've buried 207 indigenous Jews. And from the death certificate cause, 118 of them were from COVID-19. And we should mention that these are burials that take place, Baruch Hashem, in a proper Jewish cemetery in a uh, in an area that the Hebrew Free Loan or Hebrew Free Burial Association takes care of. Uh, and we should note that, and people should realize that when they support you guys, they are really supporting burial that is not only proper, but much, much, much more proper than what would normally happen uh, to... Uh, uh, to people in this situation, uh, are the majority of the 118 um, people who had no family? Is a good percentage of it people who um, have family but weren't able to afford any type of, you know, real fu- a real funeral or, or or burial the way it normally would be done? Uh, how would you break down the the types of people that you're serving right now? Um, there are there, there's definitely uh, a significant amount without family. Um, sadly, we had a situation this week, uh, a brother and sister who died the same day in different New York City hospitals who had been their only family, one in each, 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 each of each other, wow. um, that we did, that we were able to bury them at the same time next to each other. Um, many of the people we're burying now do have family um, that they didn't necessarily would have ever had been in this uh, thought they would even need to be come to our services. But the current climate, the economic situation just kind of change people's up, you know, like everybody else, but this through everybody's uh, existence upside down. Um, you know, and then we have a lot who have family, but due to the circumstances, the family just can't come. Right. Either they're a vulnerable population or they themselves are sick. Um, and in a challenging time, we're here to help them. And I just want to mention that everybody we're burying is buried. You mentioned it's all according to Jewish law. Everybody receives a tahara, is plain, our own plain coffin. Um, we really make sure everybody is treated the way we would want our own loved ones to be treated uh, when at their end of, at their end of life. Um, in general, I'm not sure how it works. You could describe it to us. Uh, do hospitals and funeral homes, are they familiar with the association, with the Hebrew Free Burial, and, and therefore they're able to... Uh, uh, or does the medical examiner, are they aware of it? So they're able to alert you that there's someone from the Jewish community who is in need of a free burial. And has that challenge been much more challenging 
during COVID because we know, obviously, that hospitals and funeral homes are overrun now uh, with patients and uh, and people that need to be taken care of. How would you describe it? Oh, it's definitely more challenging. So fortunately, um, well, so Hebrew Free Burial Association, we've been around over 130 years. So I think our reputation is out there, definitely in the communities uh, and the, that deal with people who have died. Uh, in regards to the uh, medical examiner, we have a very good relationship on several levels with uh, many people in, in their establishment. Um, and, I, I, you know, as I'm a funeral director also, so when I sign some of these death certificates and we change them from a medical examiner case to a Hebrew free burial case, you know, they've already had cases where somebody had filed city cemetery, already been filed for city cemetery, and we were able to be prior to that taking place on Hart Island, uh, we've been able to rescue, if you will, the deceased, rechange it from city cemetery buried by prisoners on Hart Island to buried at Mount Richmond Cemetery uh, with a tahara by our rabbi, Rabbi Plasker, at Mount Richmond Cemetery. Um, so we're really doing, which we do all the time, but it's been significantly more and a higher pace uh, this time. Hart Island, for those of you not familiar, is, the, is basically the potter's field of the That's- New York of the New York area. And you're tr- and you're trying. I mean, I know you've said it, but I'm just reiterating. You're trying to prevent members of our community from getting to Hart Island. You want them buried, obviously, in Mount Richmond in the most appropriate fashion possible. Andrew Parver is with us, director of operations, Hebrew Free Burial. Now, what was the story with the Talasim? These were uh, th- these were needed in order to bury people properly, or this was an effort that the uh, that y- that you brought to the attention of the community. What was that all about? <laughs> that, so that that's that's one of the most fascinating stories that's come out of this. Um, I live in Bergen County personally. Um, so men who are buried, the, they are buried in addition to the shrouds, they're, they're buried in a talus. Right. Uh, I've been at Hebrew Free Burial over 15 years. We've not, we have not purchased one talus during that time, and I don't know if even prior we ever did, because we, we always receive, on a small scale, donations. People know this, that they send in an old talus, and that usually covers what we need. Right. Um, due to what's happened, we completely extinguished our supply. Um, so I went to a local group where I live, a local a listserv, a Teenex Schools, uh, and just said, we need some talisim. You can drop them off at my house. And then the next day I went to Facebook, and I said, you can mail them to our cemetery. Um, thinking, you know, a couple, we'd get 100 talisim, not a big deal. Um, and then that completely went viral beyond my <laughs> never something I would have never something I would have anticipated. Uh, my my phone for 24 hours was nonstop ringing from calls from all over the country. Where can I send the talus? Can and people on their own initiative sending up talus drives in their own communities? Um, my my garage looked like a talus warehouse for a few days before I can get it there. Uh, we collected probably somewhere between 1,500 to 2,000 talisim. Um, many of them included stories people would write. This was my father's, my grandfather's talus. I can't think of any greater way to use. And then some people anonymously just sent from local Judaica stores brand new talisim. We received several boxes of brand new talisim from different communities. And when we called the store, they told us, no, the person wanted to be anonymous. Um, mm-hmm. Really, it, it's been beyond overwhelming. We received Talisim from Oregon, from Nebraska, from Florida. And with the numbers that you've described earlier in this conversation, I'm not saying they'll all be used this year, but you could almost guarantee that they'll all be used at some point. They, they, they will, you know, hope they, you know, if, if even if normal situations, they will all be used. Right. Um, although I, I, a member of my Fevra 
told me that his dream is that we wrap all the Sifrei Torah in these talisim to bring to Yerushalayim, which I, which, I'm, which I thought was very powerful, meaningful, and uh, something to look forward to with, with God's help. Right. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, Hebrew Free Burial Association doing amazing emergency work during this time of COVID-19. And kudos to the worldwide Jewish community who uh, answered the appeal for talisim so they could, so everybody who participated by giving a talis can be involved in the process of proper Jewish burial uh, under the leadership of the Hebrew Free Burial Association. Andrew Parver, how do people get information and donate and support your amazing work? So right now, um, you know, we were given a very generous foundation match on a dollar-for-dollar match to a certain amount, um, which has gone really well, but we still have a potential for $9,000 that would be matched. Uh, so if people were to go to hebrewfreeburial.org slash match, um, they could donate there. And I just want to quickly explain that among the things we've had to do to be prepared and to handle the cases was the additional cost we spent on personal protective equipment for our Hebra Kedisha, for every tower, for our cemetery staff, for our rabbi. Uh, we purchased a 40-foot trailer that we had to, a refrigerated trailer, that we had ready to go within a week to handle capacity so that the deceased, when they came in, and after Tahara were, were um, kept safely and respectfully prior to their kura, um, and we subsidized each burial that comes in. So the expenses have been enormous to the scale of hundreds of thousands of dollars that we've had to spend and outlay to to care for our needs. So really, any financial assistance that we could receive would be wonderful. And again, that's HebrewFreeBurial.org last match. Um, just to help anything that anybody could do would be really greatly appreciated to help participate in this mitzvah of Chesed Shalemet. Uh, they're trying to reach a goal of $72,000. They're already over $54,000, and you can help those who are victims of COVID-19 uh, who have been uh, uh, given a proper funeral and those who will be given a proper funeral by uh, by supporting the work of the Hebrew Free Burial Association, hebrewfreeburial.org slash match, hebrewfreeburial.org slash match. Get to the campaign. There's a couple of days left to get to their goal uh, and uh, we can't think of a better cause. Uh, Andrew, uh, send our best to Roy Plofker and everybody you work with, and a big yeshikach on the efforts you're making. We've seen some horror scenes uh, in the New York area, regard- and I'm not blaming anybody because of the emergency, obviously, but when it comes to funeral homes and dealing with those who've passed away, and, it, and it's obvious that you and your group are doing everything possible uh, to make sure that uh, that you avoid those type of situations and give everybody the proper burial uh, and a timely proper burial, whatever timely these days uh, would mean. So thank you for your efforts and a big yeshikach. Thank you very much, and thank you to everybody for their continued support. Andrew, Par- Andrew Parver, who is the uh, Director of Operations, Hebrew Free Burial Association, go to the... Um, you can go to Cause Match and and uh, search Hebrew Free Burial, or simply go to HebrewFreeBurial.org/match. HebrewFreeBurial.org/match. They have just over two days left to their campaign uh, to get to their goal of seventy-two thousand dollars. Yeah, I know. I'm I, people. People are always amazed that I promote other campaigns during our campaign. Trust me. Trust me. This is going to haunt me later on when when people are criticizing me for it. Uh, but this is what we feel. We feel here that we have to continue to encourage people to give as much as possible to causes that are important to our community, and in this case, causes that are important 
uh, to families and friends of those who are uh, not able to be buried properly otherwise. So, yeah, we have our own campaign going here at the fjbunity.org. I get that. But uh, I'm still going to take a few minutes and remind everybody they should go to hebrewfreeburial.org slash match, hebrewfreeburial.org slash match, and you are listening to JM in the AM. Baby! 
JM in the AM. Today's JM and broadcast sponsored by loyal listener Bob Fenichel of Silver Spring, Maryland. Bob, thank you, and thanks to all of our donors. Lots of great donations over the last couple of days as our 2020 fundraiser is in full swing, and I thank you. It'll be in its fullest swing uh, Wednesday and Thursday of next week when we invite certain people on to remind everybody why it's so important to give, and I thank you very much. Arab Shabbos Parshas MR, candle lighting 739 in New York. Sunday's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Tuesday, our big Lagba Omer special. Pesach Shani is uh, today. Enjoy the matzah. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to print out hundreds of articles before Shabbos about Israel and the Jewish world, go to JewishWorldReview.com. JewishWorldReview.com. Um, and you'll see there all the uh, all the different offerings. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by A&H. Abel's and Hyman Kosher Hot Dog Sausage and Deli is the world's best, serving the kosher world since 1954 and available at Better Kosher Supermarkets nationwide. And when you order through their website at kosherdogs.net, kosherdogs.net, a 10% discount when you use promo code radio. A 10% discount if you use promo code radio. How do you like that? We're saving you money as we're asking you for money. Amazing. Um, so check it out and uh, enjoy. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Friday mornings uh, for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Holmline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you again. They, um, as you described to us last week, Israel has... Uh, essentially locking down the country. I don't know if that's really the appropriate term for the stage that they're at right now, uh, for Lagbomer, being very strict about Lagbomer. Then I heard this morning that they uh, that they are wary of opening up synagogues um, to full capacity, even for the holiday of Shavuos, which, of course, is uh, two weeks from this coming Thursday night. Um, I was under the impression that Israel was opening more rapidly and more aggressively than most other places. Are they going to take a, a very hard look before they reopen their synagogues completely? Yeah, they, they opposed uh, pretty strict restrictions on on the opening even now, and, and people think it's just everything is open. It's not so, and there's still, you see the pictures that uh, people wear masks, and there is actually pretty strict adherence to the protocols in, in Israel, which is why they um, have performed so well. The... Um, and you see there's still restrictions on people gathering and, and uh, on and, and uh, other events. It, they did loosen it somewhat for certain restrictions on hostness and stuff. Uh, but, look, there were five more people died yesterday, and, and the number still goes up. It's not as if it's all stopped. Yeah. And, and it's a test. You know, many parents have not sent their kids to school, even in the ages that, are, that they've opened, and they're doing it gradually which is the right way. Uh, many of the teachers have expressed um, real concern about it, about the, the nature of the opening and, and the, um, the ability to, to really uh, to, to bring that light back to normal is, is difficult. But the cost of an economic show, uh, closing is, is really huge and it takes lives also as people, you know, Take uh, see their businesses collapse and stuff. It has a, it takes a tremendous toll as well. People, it's not a, a, a one-sided story, but the the government has uh, has done a good job with um, 
with the, with the response and using the military very effectively in assisting in the people and providing food and bringing, um, taking care of the elderly so that they don't have to go out. And I know that it's still restricted. I know that, for instance, old age homes, people need a permit to be able to go, and they still have to stand outside the gate um, right. uh, to visit people. And I saw, speaking of the IDF, that uh, their furlough situation, which had been very limited, they most of them had to stay on bases if they weren't working for COVID specifically, and the public transportation restriction about them traveling on public transportation have been uh, reopened. So in that aspect, life is going back to normal. But as you described, uh, it's going back to normal slowly in certain areas and obviously even more slowly in other areas. Did you see that report? I think it was over the weekend last week about the numbers of ca- the number of cases of COVID in Gaza and how low they were. And I was wondering if that was propaganda or if that's a reality. Well, first of all, it's a tremendous story that, that doesn't get told uh, I know it's not specifically what you're alluding to, but yes, the answer is yes. It is very low. They had a visit uh, somebody who came back from Pakistan, and he infected a number of the office, the Hamas-based uh, people. But uh, you know, the border guards uh, when he came from Egypt and infected seven, ten people. Uh, but the number is very low. The doctors are training in Israel. The nurses are training in Israel. Did you read about that in the New York Times? Oh, um, you must have missed it. I'm sorry to hear that. But the the they didn't tell the Palestinian Authority that they were doing it. So the health minister from the PA started criticizing Hamas for allowing their people to go. And, of course, they don't want to publicize because they don't want to, God forbid, be seen as recognizing the Zionist entity. But... There was a group of nurses that first went, then administrators and doctors. They trained in Israeli hospitals how to deal with the the virus. Israel also put through a lot of medical equipment. In one week, I think 135 tons of, of medicines and equipment and stuff was sent in. And the, uh, I mean, again, we don't necessarily know the true numbers because you know dictatorships don't don't reveal what they don't want out. But the number is low, and this this story, which I think is is really amazing, yeah. you know, when you have a rocket this week, and uh, there was an incident where a guy blew himself up in his car. He had a work accident, or got blown up in his car as he was had explosive devices, and the there were um, there were other incidents uh, this week, uh, but the rocket was the first one in in 40 days. The um, and it was also a Palestinian, I think, who was crushed in in a terror tunnel. So the the you know they reject normalization, the 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 Hamas people, but at the same time, they're taking advantage of what Israel has to offer. And by the way, the PA is not only critical of them, but they're critical of these TV shows, which I think we spoke about last week in the Arab world, where a Saudi UAE-based MB, a Middle East Broadcasting Corporation showed this. A story of a Jewish family living in the Gulf, and some of the others that found the Fauda is very, very popular. It's number one in Lebanon on Netflix, <laughs> number three in the UAE, number six in in Jordan. Wow! Um, and they're attacking it because they're saying this is all part of the campaign to normalize uh, to normalize uh, the relationship. And yet the PA continues to provide the money to terrorists and to and and now. In their monthly budget report, they eliminated the line that talks about the Department of um, of Palestinian um, – uh, I forgot the exact name – but the, the rights of, of Palestinians uh, in service, which 
really is is the pay to slay department where they you know would record how much money they were paying in salaries to terrorists and to their or to their families now they've eliminated that line and somehow absorbed it in other parts of the budget because they became under so much criticism for it so you know that story all of the stories get almost no coverage in the in the um in this in the press of covid coverage today including by the way, the International Criminal Court, which we haven't talked about, but while even during this period, they've been moving ahead. And Bensuda, the, the uh, Fatou Bensuda, who's the um, chief prosecutor there, has recognized Palestinians, uh, that Palestinians have a state and saying that, therefore, they have standing to bring a case, which most international lawyers or many many United States and Israel amongst them have, have uh, said they do not. And she even cited ridiculously the Oslo Accords is proof of that and they um and and they're moving ahead because they want to be able to then bring war crime charges against Israel uh for the you know defensive acts against terrorists and there's now a pre-trial chamber of judges who have to affirm or deny the the status of of whether Palestinians have legitimate status uh you know, this body was created, I think, in 2002 to, to deal with, you know, real crimes of genocide and and uh, mass murder. And now they're, they're, again, distorting. And this is a campaign that's been going on for a long time. And it would give legitimacy then to uh, the Palestinian, the, the most extreme interpretation of the Palestinian position and would highly polarize the already partisan court. Uh, Malcolm, I'm having a little bit of trouble with your phone. If you can move closer to your base, I appreciate it. We, you just reminded me when you mentioned the New York Times and things they keep secret or things they avoid reporting. In the in the article a couple of weeks ago about the kid that and kid, I mean someone in his twenties, I believe, who was trying to and successfully was arranging Zoom sessions between Arab and Israelis just to get people talking. I believe he was jailed, if I'm not mistaken. And the New York Times, you know, reported as a matter of fact, and I don't think ever had an opinion piece condemning the PA for for jailing a kid or a 20 year old, whatever it was, who's who's trying to bridge the gap between societies. He was arrested and, uh, and taken into custody. It's not the first time uh, that they have taken action against somebody who simply tried to build bridges and ties, but this one went public. And yes, it is very rare for the New York Times to do that and to offer an opinion about uh, you know how they feel uh, regarding the the rights of that young man um, uh, vis-a-vis the uh, the PA authorities. By the way, speaking of Israel, and I know we do this every week, but we should. Uh, it is amazing the different treatments and uh, vaccine efforts that we're hearing about, and you've described many of them for us. But yesterday I had Professor Moyal on from the Tel Aviv School of Engineering. Malcolm, they are actually, and he spoke to us about it yesterday, they are actually developing a way through voice recognition that if someone is able to hear, you literally send a voice note to a doctor or to one of their researchers, they can give you, they can, through artificial intelligence, determine whether your throat is suffering from a positive effect of COVID-19. And obviously the research is being done for a million other things as well. It could be helpful for flu, et cetera. And he's not saying that people shouldn't get tested in the traditional manner. Obviously they should. But this could be an unbelievable boon in terms of just getting an idea numbers-wise of, of the a number of uh, people in the population who, are te- who, who would test positive. And Israel's also working on dogs being able to, to test, you know, that by smell, 
if they have, people have a COVID, there are dogs that can detect certain cancers. Uh, but also there's an, a, and so many things that are applicable, but one is a bar that people, when you walk through, like in the airports, universities, right. schools, it can detect omas if people have, if individuals have fever. Unbelievable! You had, so it you had, can detect individuals, which incredible. is also going to make it a lot easier. By the way, with all in all seriousness, with all this technology, if we know if we know the Spanish flu was three years, January twenty eighteen to December uh, nineteen eighteen, December nineteen twenty. If it was three years, and now we're at such an advanced technological uh, situation, and Israel's at the forefront of it with all these innovations, it shouldn't just just by nature, <laughs> I like how I say that, just by nature, just the way things work naturally, shouldn't this COVID-19 last only a few months till we have a real breakthrough technologically? It depends on how complicated the virus is and the ability to detect, to come up with a, a, a vaccine, because that's really the only thing that will... Uh, make a qualitative change. You can do preventative things. We can have better the testing. You have uh, Israel, Technion, and others are developing uh, much better case um, detection systems that are more accurate and much faster. You know, at first it was taking a week. Now they're down to, to 45 minutes or something to to um, detect whether people have it, but also the development of antibodies. And there are Israeli companies, Plur Stem uh, Bonus, that are working on stem cell uh, research, which had an applic- has been applied and said to be very beneficial. So, yes, we hope that this is not going to last uh, long. But if you look at how many of those who analyzed these situations, the futurists and others, they're all talking about December Right. Or, or even into 2021 with right. the lasting impact, and especially for you if the baseball season doesn't get started. <laughs> right. I was wondering if you Phillies fans were able to uh, put up with this or not. But <laughs> As much as I watch the Phillies, I can put up with it. <laughs> exactly. Hey, Malcolm has revealed himself as a phony baseball. I knew it all along. I knew it all along that you weren't a sincere Phillies fan. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Uh, do you recommend um, – as the as the protests continue to increase, New York, New Jersey, obviously around the country, but I say New York, New Jersey because I think people wondered if in places like New Jersey uh, there, there would be such aggressive protests like there were in Trenton this week. Do you suggest that members of our community be very careful before taking to the streets in these anti-government rallies to reopen? I think that they have to be very careful on a number of grounds and with public statements and with the, of course, with the behavior and the, the, you know, testing the limits and, and violations. Um, the, the, um, we, we've had enough incidents and publicity that is attendant to it. Although now it's, it's been a little bit more quiet and perhaps right. some people sensitized to, to the biased reporting that uh, especially the, some elements of our community were subjected to, um, but yes, because you don't know who you're allying with. There are a lot of people who are engaged in these things who belong to very extreme movements. Obviously, there are people who are sincerely motivated, who feel frustrated, whose businesses are collapsing, who are afraid that uh, you know that they will not have anything left when they come out of this. And I have a lot of sympathy for those people, and I don't know an easy answer. But I think for members of our community, you should be very careful about what you're pressing for and whether we're really ready, whether our institutions, clearly our yeshivas aren't and won't reconvene, likely um, 
you know, it's in this, it's the high schools and elementary schools certainly won't, and that the 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 pressure on on building on prematurely could be very counterproductive. We paid a heavy toll so far. Yeah. Don't want to see that extended. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSegal.com and the NahumSegal Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, our fundraiser is on. Go to fjbunity.org to support us. And today's broadcast is sponsored by loyal listener Bob Fenichel of Silver Spring, Maryland. And we thank him. And finally, because we have to move on from the COVID-19 topic, but I, I have to mention because Rabbi Fass was on, uh, and, and I know you and I have already discussed the, the, the hard fact that the, uh, uh, the interest in Aliyah now is stronger. I don't want to say stronger than ever, but has, <laughs> but has increased like crazy, especially over last year, just from the downloads on the Nefesh Benefesh website and the reaction that he has gotten from around the world, not just North America, but from around the world from Jewish leaders in different cities in the diaspora. And uh, he... Uh, he, he, I mean, he said a lot of the things that you've said, but I thought it was an interesting analysis the way he put it. Uh, people are now realizing that as beloved as our communities are, you know, we haven't been to shul in eight weeks, and it's possible maybe to move on and build another community in Israel or help build another community in Israel. And then, of course, he mentioned that, you know, it's very, very vital to be connected to our families, and we, we miss them when we're not around them, as we proved over Pesach and over the last eight weeks. But... Uh, you know, now we do see that we somewhat can be socially connected to our family and our friends through Zoom and other means, even from around the world. And of course, the third thing is obvious, and that is that so many people are now discovering uh, they can work anywhere, and obviously Israel would be a good choice. So with all the times, Malcolm, that I had predicted, that 9-11 and that wars and the 2014 summer, that all this would make the Aliyah numbers drop, sure enough, in this case of COVID as well, it just goes in the opposite direction. So the, uh, it is true, and uh, I, I saw a number, I think, of 50,000 people expressing interest during this period in, in Aliyah, I guess, worldwide. But the, the, and remember that in Europe, this is uh, all happening as well. Um, the, 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 there's another factor, and that is, that first of all, a lot of people are unemployed, and if you're already unemployed and you can look to rebuild your life in Israel, right. that's uh, attractive, and tuition you can get. Your kids can get a good Jewish education at a fraction of the cost of is here, uh, which makes up a big part of budget for many families. I mean, there are a lot of considerations, and not negative ones, positive ones, right. about maybe people are reassessing. And I think two things. One is that people really need community, and the community really needs the people. And that's true here, and you see that in the response to Chesed, the amazing things that were done. And... I hope books will be written about all of the heroes, quiet, public, and uh, I, I see it. And then cases that I've been brought into and issues and stuff to see how many people are, are involved in doing wonderful things, trying to help others. Uh, you know, the amount of of uh, this kind of uh, real devoted chesed. And in Israel, you see all the young people going to old age homes, their armies involvement, going into communities, providing food. And it's building bridges between people that had no contact before. So true. And I think for many of us who, and people, I think in the Jewish community, followed what was going on in Israel, you know, and they, they were reminded of the connection. And this is Gesher Tzarmod, that the whole world is such a narrow bridge that we in Israel today are neighbors, and that people hopefully can reassess what the priorities are. Yeah, no question about it. Excellent, excellent analysis. And I hope, 
I hope we've prompted even more discussion tonight at the collective Friday night uh, uh, dinner table because uh, it's something that families certainly should be talking about. Has Iran really retreated from Syria? No, I don't think that they've retreated. I do think that they have repositioned. Uh, whether they've reduced the number of troops there, we, we will only know later. Uh, but they're not going to withdraw from, from Syria because they have too much uh, vested there. They have, uh, of course, the Hezbollah. And they want this as the, the uh, staging ground against Israel. They have their missile capacities, they, the uh, infiltration across the Golan, and we've seen no diminution in that regard. The attempts, you saw last week, the attempts to cross from Lebanon into Israel. Uh, so there are there are reports that they have moved out of bases in certain areas that were targeted by Israel and moved to suburban areas uh, near Damascus uh, because of the attacks on Homs Airport. And you know that a number of Iranians were killed this past week in, in some of the raids. Uh, so it may be just a redeployment of resources. Obviously, the Russians would like to see, the, and I think the Syrians would like to see the Iranians uh, move out more. We know that they have repositioned, or the Hezbollah has been repositioned in Lebanon and in some of the other countries as, A, they don't have the resources um, that they used to have, and uh, B, that their manpower is being spread in Iraq and Syria and Yemen and other places. So the, the um, you know, they, they threaten the United States, Iran, with a crushing response if we go ahead with the arms embargo that, that Secretary of State Pompeo is trying to arrange. Unfortunately, the Russians will veto it. The Chinese will veto it in the United Nations because both of them are sitting on the sideline with all the deals signed to provide new weapons to, to Iran, which you know appeals to the international community for economic aid, but they don't spend money on fighting the virus or doing other things, the money goes into their nuclear program, and as we've seen, the, sat the military satellite that they launched. Uh, so there are many experts who believe that they can, they may could reduce slightly, they could reposition, but th that Iran can't afford to, to withdraw. The cost still is, is heavy for them there, both in terms of the deployments, but they continue shipping um, weapons, and, and they're doing globally. We saw in Venezuela the shipment of of um, and uh, planes, Mahan airplanes landing there three last week, and taking back huge amounts of gold, tons of gold, which Venezuela is paying from their meager resources, paying Iran for having rebuilt, uh, for instance, their gasoline refineries, which had become were not functional, and with oil not being exported, which is Venezuela's main source of income. And the tremendous investment that Iran has made there, and it's also the fulcrum of their activities in South America. So Iran seems to still put that as the priority over its own people. Uh, and they, they, they uh, by the way, they did cancel the Al Quds Day at annual huh. events, you know, marking Jerusalem Day, right. which uh, are always an occasion for very anti-Israel activities. But they will do it online. They, they said so, not to fear <laughs> that you won't have your uh, your yearly dose of hatred and um, incidents. And by the way, a, a, another thing that hardly got reported that 70 Afghanis were trying to return to Iran because many of them left when COVID struck, and some just come in to work. And uh, they stopped one group of 70, which was documented. We don't know how many more there were. Uh, and they, they, they beat them up, the Iranian uh, guards, and threw them in a river. At least uh, two dozen died. Uh, and the, the, um, 
this is one of the few stories that got out through a survivor of the, of the incident. But the media, you know, is so distorted in this regard, and and this attempt to try and repaint Iran and tr- the pressure, you know, to to not continue the JCPOA and the sanctions and the which are are really ha- taking a toll and limiting their ability to to undermine governments in the region and around the world. I mean, some have predicted the JCPOA is dead by the, you know, toward the end of uh, of 2020. Is it likely or not? Well, I think in part it depends on the outcome of the election and and the oh, good decisions point, right. taken by the by Congress. We don't know who will control Congress and right. how strong the resolve will be to, to continue. I think the um, Trump administration has indicated its readiness to do so. Um, uh, we know that the, uh, if the Democrats take over, they may re- want to rewrite it. They may want to readjust it. But the the fact is that Iran is still moving ahead. It's in complete violation of the JCPOA, moving ahead on its nuclear program, the missile program, which, uh, as demonstrated by the launching of that satellite, which is not really an intelligent satellite because its pictures has no have no resolution, but it's really to develop their missile cap- capacity, ones that can carry a nuclear warhead, and they're not allowed to do that. So they do it under the guise of a domestic space program, but it's really the purpose is to to advance their intercontinental ballistic missile ability. What do we know about the new prime minister of Iraq? That he, he, this is an Iranian stooge. That this is uh, the third. I think he's the fourth candidate that they've put up. The others were not considered uh, trustworthy enough. And I know that Bani Sadr, that was the religious leader in Iraq, had opposed them because they were too pro-Iranian. And uh, this guy <coughs> is, I think, is trying to be portrayed as more of a technocrat. But the this, the uh, successor to Soleimani was in Baghdad and pressing them about getting somebody who who was more acceptable to Iran. So we'll have to see, but I don't know that we'll, we'll see a major shift in policy. I'm sorry for bringing it up every week, but it's but uh, some things I, I do bring up every week. But in this case, it is another statement every week. It looks like as we get closer and closer to July, uh, the annexation and the approval of annexation by the U.S. is is imminent. And every week there are more statements by responsible people, ambassadors, and other administration members that, that seem to allude to it, if not directly say it. Well, they say it, but if they if they they also in the last week or two, David Friedman, the ambassador, others are creating a context saying that it has to be a total acceptance of the of the plan, meaning that in the context of negotiations with the Palestinians for a two state solution, but the plan says that if they that Israel has to make the offer, it has to reach out to them, but if they don't accept in Israel. Um, you know, for the next three years, I think or five years is limited in its expansion and building in into the settlement blocks, the existing ones, and that the Palestinians, you know, have to make up their mind: do they want to have a better future, and do they want to sit and negotiate with Israel? Right now, with the the, uh, the question is that what annexation means? Does it mean extension of law? Does it mean other things in terms of uh, applying sovereignty? Does it mean just the uh, Jordan Valley, which has more universal agreement, or E1 people are talking about in Mala Dumim, or does it include the settlement blocks? I mean, a lot of things have to be defined, and there, you know, there were questions raised. Everybody interprets every word that officials say or don't say, but we'll see more because Secretary Pompeo is going to Israel this week. Oh, wow. We'll meet with Gantz and Netanyahu, and I'm sure this is going to be a priority subject. Uh, very cool. I'm glad somebody's able to travel to Israel. 
<laughs> one day. I He's hope. One night. One day. One night. <laughs> Does he have a hotel to stay in? Because the one we like staying in is not opening up till the middle of June. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think I, I, somebody told me that the King David had kept open rooms for diplomats or emergency situations. But wow. I've, I've not heard of anybody staying there. Interesting. So I, I don't think he has a problem, though. Interesting. I may not serve him breakfast, so I hope he has a care package from home. Um, uh, the, the prime minister got the mandate this week. So by what date do you think we'll swear in the new Israeli government? Well, they've been swearing at the new Israeli government <laughs> all along. Now the question is about the swearing in probably on Wednesday. Oh, this week? This coming week. Oh, yeah. very good. So finally, well, they, be... need to, well, they had to meet this deadline because if they didn't, the that would have run the clock and, and the president would have had to call for new elections oh, wow. today. So, so that's good news. And so this uh, agreement, you know, they made adjustments after the Supreme Court made some uh, comments about the agreement after reviewing it, but essentially came out and said that Netanyahu could form the government. And the attorney general warned them now not to interfere and get any more into the, you know, negotiations. But both sides, blue and white, and the Likud, uh, adjusted their agreements. They eliminated a couple of things and adjusted others on time limits, et cetera. Uh, you know, details that uh, you know are hard to for outsiders to understand. But they right. did make adjustments, and so the court they they could move ahead and. Yesterday they did, and they announced government, and it should be sworn in, I think, on Wednesday. Did this week's 11-0 to 0 vote uh, convince anybody that the prime minister controls the courts in Israel? Not given the criticism and the uh, way that they've treated him, I don't think that, that, that those who were critical of the courts were less critical. Um, but I think that they, you know, they know what the price would be, and that meant that we would have had to go Israel would have had to go to new elections on August 4th. They know the people didn't want it. The cost, and with COVID and with everything else, it's not a time to, to, to break the government down and to have the party split. There also wasn't interest because they saw that Netanyahu probably, according to the polls, would win a, a sufficient majority to be able to make a government. So the outcome you know, would have been the same. So I guess in a rational way that the court ruled that this was this is certainly the best solution right now because they and they they limited they did one of the things they struck down was that in the first six months they were only supposed to have legislation related to COVID and they found that illegal so I think they said that it, instead it would be the priority for the next three right. or six months would be to legislate and to you know deal with the economic implications and, of COVID and to their credit uh, judges of all different backgrounds. Uh, ag- Very different. Agreed on this, which I, I guess is, is good to have a consensus like that, especially at a time like this, as you described. Finally, Malcolm, I, I mean, look, I we, we lo- I love your political analysis, uh, um, but I, I maybe you could explain this one. Why does the presumptive Democratic candidate need to say that he's against the embassy being where it is, but he will keep it there for now? Who is he playing to when he makes a statement like that? And why not just keep, keep quiet on the issue? Well, the bottom line was that he said that he will keep the, and that was the headline, was that he will keep the embassy there. But there were also other things that he said um, critical of Israel. And, uh, you know, he did accept an endorsement from J Street, but he has a a long history of his own. And people have to look at the total picture. and, And I don't think those statements came from him. It came from somebody representing him. 
Um, and there will be opportunities, I think, coming up soon where people will have a chance to directly hear from him um, his views on a lot of the issues. He sees himself as very pro-Israel and resisted some of the pressures from within the Democratic Party, which is why people have to register vote. You know, if you're a Democrat, get out there, vote, and work in your party, encounter the voices of extremism um, that exist there or in the uh, from the extreme right in the Republican Party. We want to make sure that we have the broadest possible support. There will be very important challenges uh, coming up, issues that have great significance. Uh, unemployment, they say, will, will be, uh, I don't know, 16 million or something, a huge number of people in, in the next reporting period. So the economic strains, others, they're going to be very great. We need to see unity. I hope that Congress can act as they did this past week when 387 members, 90 percent of the House, signed a letter urging the extension of the embargo on the arms embargo on Iran. Wow. Which is really a terrific demonstration and colorful vote to Elliot and McVeigh and the other members of the House Foreign Relations Committee and all the others who, who worked on it. But the the uh, but that kind of a demonstration is is very important, and we're going to go ahead and get into a partisan period. I mean, we'll hear a lot from Democrats, Republicans, and others. There are areas of concern, clearly political concern. We see some candidates that are of great concern. We also see, for instance, Zilan Omar being challenged by a very articulate, very impressive young man. Do the polls uh, give him a chance? You don't know. Yes. They do give him a chance. Well, the analysts give him a chance. Polls right. are too early right. yet, but the um, you know the, the it's important again for everybody to be involved to contribute to you know help out. Now this you can't get involved. There are no rallies, and you don't have the same opportunities to volunteer. But your voices can be heard online, and and in many ways that um, at least express the opinions and and try to influence candidates and explain to them some of the issues that, you know, we have addressed, and it's only a few of, of all of the things that are, are, are going on. Um, you see, when we're united and you get BDS legislation and you can yeah. – uh, so many areas, and, this and is especially the... the battle against anti-Semitism, which is increasing now in the United States during COVID. They're taking advantage of it. We see it online. It's vicious. It's widespread. And, you know, that those things can then manifest in physical expressions, especially as things lift. But we already see attacks on synagogues and institutions. This is the time of year where the during a presidential election where that where your conference would have invited Joe Biden to come and address Jewish leadership. Will that take place this summer via Zoom or via some conference call or something like that? Well, we invited the candidates. We had some of them um, already before the lockdown. But um we usually try to do it after September. Otherwise, you ah. have to have all the candidates. You know, right. as a tax stamp body, you can't show favoritism or partisanship. Let's say with when you had ten, twelve candidates right. in the Democratic Party. Right. Um, but we we did start then, and and we will certainly uh, try to have it in um, before the election. My my point being is that someone who would like to ask uh, Joe Biden or any candidate a direct question like that, our community leadership will have that opportunity at some point. I'm sure there will be opportunities, and there are briefings that are taking place or conference calls even during this period with right. the uh, Jewish groups. 
and uh, hopefully they're pressing them hard on these critical issues. All right, Malcolm, stay safe, stay healthy. Enjoy our ninth, ninth Shabbos in isolation, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it's Somebody wrote me the good thing is that he hasn't talked in shul for eight weeks. <laughs> and so <laughs> everybody can find a silver lining. You know, some, pe- some people start these press conferences reminding people what day it is. I just stumbled upon the fact that it was Parsha's MR this week. I'm ashamed <laughs> to say. I completely lost track. Thank God I remember. Before Shabbos is all I can say. <laughs> I'm glad you remember Shabbos. <laughs> you can say that again. Thank you so much. We'll speak again next week. Malcolm Holdline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Special thank you to everybody who's contributing to our fundraiser. The uh, thank goodness the emails uh, continue to come in at fjbunity.org. Fjbunity.org. I want to thank, as I said earlier, listener Philip and Shelley, who are listening from Israel. Thank you so much. I want to thank um, uh, I want to thank Susan, listener Susan, uh, donated just uh, just uh, about uh, less than an hour ago. Thank you very much for that, listener Susan, listener Dvora in Israel, a five times high donation. Thank you. A lot of people checking in from Israel, and I want to thank listener Andrew, who's uh, <laughs> who's acknowledged our role during this COVID-19 by uh, donating, and I thank you very much for that. And again, this portion, uh, I should say today's JM in the AM. Today's JM in the AM is sponsored by loyal listener Bob Fenichel of Spring of Silver Spring, Maryland. Bob Fenichel of Silver Spring, Maryland. Thank you, Bob, very, very much, and thanks to all of our donors who keep us going. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And yes... Not only have we heard from New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Michigan, um, Florida, and other states during this fundraiser. We got a donation earlier in the week from New Mexico, which was really, really cool. <laughs> Friday morning, JM and the AM, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomay Tover, Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening the audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Arab Shabbos, everybody. I hope everybody is staying well. Once again, obeying the rules, the rules of the uh, medical profession and the rules of the halacha, of being careful, especially ushmartem od l'napshoseichem. Hashem gives us a body and a soul he says, take care of it. Make sure that you keep my body and soul healthy. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Emor. Parshas Emor contains a total of 63 mitzvos. It has 24 positive mitzvos, has 39 restrictions in it. We learn from the beginning of Parshas Emor to the seven relatives that a Kohen is to metame, he is to go to their funerals to the exclusion of all others. Those are the ones that we have the institution of sitting shiva for. You have in Parshas Emor the Parsha of the Moadim, Rabbi Pesach, Shavuos, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Sukkot are outlined in this week's parsha. We find ourselves in the middle 
of counting the Omer, which as well this mitzvah is found in this week's parsha of Emor. And I'd like to speak and focus this morning on the forthcoming holiday minor Yom Tov of Lag Ba'omer coming up, please God, next Monday night and Tuesday. Now, I've been to Eretz Yisrael, Baruch Hashem, on different occasions. I've never had the schus of going to Meiron on Lag Ba'omer. We all know that literally hundreds of thousands, an incredible number, literally go annually, and the festivities are so wonderful. And because we cannot go this year, I thought maybe we'll talk a little bit virtually about Lagba Omer, about Rav Shimon Bar Yochoi, the Tana, the great Talmudic sage, and now I'll even use the term legend, who has the ability to cross all party lines. Ashkenaz, Sfard, observant, not yet observant. Everybody is drawn. There's something very special. And what does that mean to be caught up in the spirit of Reb Shimon Bar Yochai? I'll try to give a little bit of an explanation as to what that is. First of all, aside from our not saying Tachanun next Monday evening and next Tuesday, what's going on? What's Lagba Omer all about? That we know that weddings in Sashem can take place on Lagba Omer and depending on one's custom, if one has started the Omer from the second day of Pesach in terms of the restrictions, one can get married from Lagba Omer and on. But even if one started at Rosh Chodesh and they're continuing the restrictions after Lag Ba'omer, Lag Ba'omer is that day that everybody can take haircuts, can get married. What's the significance of the day? So from the Gemara in Yevamos, Samach Beis, Amid Beis, where we're taught that Rabbi Kiva had 24 Thousand, twelve thousand pairs, two twenty-four thousand students. The Kula Mesu, and they all died unfortunately between Pesach and Atzeres, between Pesach and Shavuos, because they did not act They stopped dying according to the rabbis on Lagba Omer, so we celebrate. Now wait a second. Both the Prichadosh in Orachayim Simon Toft Sadi Gimel and the Chidah in the Sefer Tovayim say, wait a second, this is not necessarily the Jewish way to celebrate that they stopped dying. And they both therefore say, do you know what we're celebrating? We're celebrating as the Gemara continues and says that Rabbi Akiva taught Torah to five more Talmidim. He didn't give up. He didn't say, I've done mine. Let somebody else take over. No. He 
taught five students. One of these five was Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, and the rest, as they say, is history. And interesting, the Medrash in Koheles has it that there were seven students, but certainly Reb Shimon is counted among the seven as well. From these students that Rabbi Akiva went and taught and gave smicha to, that is what was celebrating on Lagba Omer, in one word, was celebrating the continuity of Torah learning, the continuity of Torah study, the continuity of what sets us apart from the rest of the world. Now, I'd like to try to introduce a little bit about Reb Shimon by sharing with you a famous Gemara, and this Gemara was made even, quote, more famous by the one Reb Meir Shapira, who instituted the Daf Yomi, is accredited for the wonderful suggestion that has been followed by thousands throughout the world and greatly assisted by Art Scroll, that each and every one of us, our homes have become a base HaMedrash, and each and every one of us can learn a daf, a blot of Gemara a day, and if you can't learn a blot, the entire thing, learn part of it. You don't have to necessarily finish when everybody else does, just keep learning at your pace. So the Gemara in Yevamos, Dav Kufchaf Aleph, and it's called Talmud Bavli. Literally, it's all mixed in together. And what do you have? You have Halacha and Agada. So in one of the passages of Agada, we find in uh, the Gemara Sanhedrin a rather intriguing piece of Gemara. Tanya. Um, Rebbe Gamliel, Rebbe Gamliel taught, and I'll translate just to save time. Once I was on a boat, and I saw Givalt, another boat, that broke apart and capsized, and I was troubled about the Tamachacham that was on the boat. And when I came to shore, who was it? Rabbi Akiva. And when I came to shore, I saw that he was sitting, and what was he doing? He was teaching, he was continuing. I said to him, Bini, my son, Mi he'elcha, how did you survive the shipwreck? Omali, daf shel sfina, I held on tightly to the boat, to a board of the boat, and floated with that. Nizdamin li came to help me, v'chol gal v'gal, and all the waves, all the persecution over the years, Shabalai. Ni nati lo roshi. I bowed down my head down so I was able to weather the storms that one moment and throughout Jewish history. Rabmeya Shapira took that daf shel Sfina. I saw in the Sefer Shvile Pinchas of Rapinchas Friedman Shlita, the Rosh Kolel in Bells, he explains this 
Gemara in Yavamos in a fascinating way. Basically, what is he saying? That the leader of every generation is called by our Chazal Kvarnita, is compared to the captain. Like the Gemara says in Baba Basra, Tzadi Aleph. How did they eulogize Avram Avinu? Oi, woe to the Sfina, to the boat, Sha'avad Kvarnita, that the boat lost its captain. The world lost its leader when Avram Avinu died. And therefore, we're talking here, says the Gemara, about two different captains. There's Rabbi Gamliel, who had his world outlook. And what was his world outlook? As found in the Gemara Brachos, 28a. Kol Talmud, Shein Tocho Kiboro Lo Ikones. According to Rabbi Gamliel, you had to pass an entrance exam to get into the base Medrash. Not simply academic, but character-wise. If your character was not of sterling nature, you were not admitted to the Beis HaMedrash. Rabbi Kiva had a different worldview. We see from the Gemara that we cited before in Yevamos, he had 12,000 pairs, and Lonogul Kavod, however you interpret it, ouch, it doesn't mean they didn't hold the door one for another. Whatever the Nogu Kavod is, they show disrespect. They could never have gotten into Rabbi Gamliel's base medrash, but they were into Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was the optimist. Rabbi Akiva was the one who said, Every man is so significant. Every man has such potential. I'll take him in, and don't worry, I'll turn him into mention. Did he succeed all the time? No. However, listen carefully. Rabbi Kiva says, what kept me going? There was a Dafshel Sfina. Now what does that mean, this Dafshel Sfina? It means that there was one of my students who, Nistame Li, who took over this characteristic of mine. And who is that? Reb Shimon. Reb Shimon Bar Yochoi, if you go to the Gemara Gitin, Samach Zayin Amar Aleph, he says to his students, Shinu midosai. He says, study me, says Reb Shimon. Study my teachings. Study who I am. Shemidosai, because you want to know who I am? Trumos me, trumos me, dos of Akiva. I got the best of the best of Rabbi Akiva. That's who I am. I am not me. I am a personification of my Rebbe. And Rashi says, limdu Torah, study my Torah. Because my Torah and my Midos are from Rabbi Akiva. Becharitim, I chose them. Tramtim, I worked on them to elevate them from the Shnosav of Rabbi Akiva. So what is that? The Gemara is telling us that Lee, Rabbi Akiva says, I'm comforted that I have a student who follows my teaching and my philosophy. And just like we see from the end of the Gemara Makos, when they saw the rabbis, the fox, walking around in the place where the Kodesh HaKodeshim was, and the other rabbis cried and tore their garments, Rabbi Kiva laughed. And they see Rabbi Kiva, how could you do this? And he said, once I see this prophecy, I'm positive that the prophecy of Uz Yeshvu, 
zikenimu zikenos, that elderly people are going to be sitting here, and you go today as soon as corona is over, and once again you'll see that park. You could all close your eyes and see the park in the old city as you go towards the Kotel and you see old people, young people, mamish, the fulfillment of this prophecy. This was Rabbi Akiva's optimism. And take a look. There's no time, but take a look in the Gemara Moi Katan 9b, and you'll see the optimism of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi, who followed his Rebbe, that when people gave his son what appeared to have been not the most complimentary blessing. He turned it all into compliments and optimism. That is what we are to get. The first thing from the lesson of Meron, meaning Rabbi Akiva, meaning Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochoi, that we're all confined at these days. And does it depress us? Or do we realize, no, I'm going to get the best out of this? How am I doing in my mikdash? Because each and every one of us, our homes have become a base haknesses. Our homes have become a base medrash in the sense that, is my davening better? Is it slower? Is my davening more meaningful? Am I spending more time with my sfarim? If I can't grow at this time, horizontally, I can't go out, I can't travel, that's okay. I'm growing vertically. What does that mean? It's an opportunity to reflect, and as I reflect within myself, to see where I am, and to see where I could be, and where I should be, that's an opportunity to grow vertically. And finally, let's learn from Bar Yochoi. Many, many benchers don't have this song, Find one in your home. If not, go to your computer and print it out. Bar Yochoi. There is a Zemer which has composed in honor of the great Reb Shimon Bar Yochoi. Now, I can only tell you, there is no Zemer about any other Tana. And what do we say regarding Shimon Bar Yochoi? In the second stanza, when you were there in the cave where you stood with your son for 12 years, there you acquired your glory and your strength. You received your Torah, the opportunity to divest yourself as in your situation completely of materialism. We are now in a time which we're all going to look back at. It's a time of blessing. So much of the material, quote, necessities of our life, we just don't have and realize at the moment we just don't need. Wow. To put things in the right perspective. And when one desists oneself, even somewhat, of these material needs, one is able to fill that, quote, vacuum with positive, greater Torah study, greater opportunity to connect with Hashem. So I pray that we use this time well. Learn from Rav Shimon Bar Yochai. Be optimistic in life. Learn from Shimon Bar Yochai. Grab the opportunity to, first of all, be concerned 
about the next one. You can't go shopping. You're giving your list to somebody else. Call this person. He too, she too is a shut-in. Let's be concerned about them. And let's realize that this is nothing less than a special time, a special opportunity to connect. And I wish everybody that bracha of staying well and doing just that, connecting with oneself and with the one up above. Shabbat Shalom to all. J.M. and the A.M. Thank you, Rabbi Yudin. My thanks to um, Bob Fenichel, our wonderful loyal listener of Silver Spring, Maryland, for sponsoring uh, this morning's broadcast of J.M. and the A.M. And a big thank you to all of our donors who continue to support us during our uh, fundraiser, our 2020 fundraiser. Go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and I thank you. Mayor Weingarten has reminded me that we are dedicating Rabbi Yudin's words this morning to someone whose yard site is tomorrow night, and that would be Eli uh, Ben Shaul Visofia Hakoen. Mayor Weingarten, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, one second. Sorry about that. There we go. Mayor Weingarten, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. Could you tell us why Rabbi Yudin's words this morning were dedicated Ilui Nishmat in memory of Eli Ben Shaul the Sophia Hakoin? One of Israeli, Israel's uh, most uh, celebrated spies, Eli Cohen, his yard site. He was hanged by the Syrians after his capture. Uh, his yard site is Ted Zion ER, which is this um, Motei Shabbat and Sunday. He left a letter with the rabbi of uh, Damascus uh, at just before he was hanged. And the last thing in the letter, his last request was, nishmati, Pray for my neshama. And uh, I have thought for many years that this is something that's very appropriate for us to do as a people, uh, to, to fulfill his last request on his yard site would be a very special thing. So we're here this morning uh, to remind everybody that tomorrow night and Sunday, and certainly any other time, obviously uh, Shabbat or any time you have the time to do so, uh, but primarily Saturday night and Sunday of this uh, coming week, um, tomorrow night and Sunday, uh, any opportunity one has to uh, to pray for, to say, uh, to study Mishnayot for, uh, to say Tehillim for, uh, Eli Cohen, uh, it would be most appreciated. We know this posthumously, based on the letter, Mayor, would be most appreciated because he asked specifically uh, that his family, but I'm sure, no doubt, he considered all the Jewish people his family to pray for his soul. And as you pointed out to me, no better time than on his yard site, which will be coming up on Sunday. Uh, those who don't know about Ellie Cohen, guess what, Mayor? It, we don't have to anymore say that uh, they should read up on it or speak to their teachers about him. Uh, we could also suggest maybe they watch a Netflix series. It's actually a Netflix series now. Uh, it's also a movie, but there's a Netflix series uh, that was out recently about him. So there's more opportunities right. for the world to learn about the greatness of Ellie Cohen. Right. It's called The Spy, and I, I think his name is more recognized now than ever before around the world. Right. And his heroism. And by the way, we should remind everybody who's familiar with the 1967 Six-Day War, information that he garnered uh, in Syria during that period of time helped Israel win that war. Very much so in the Golan Heights, very much so. And other things, but that's definitely one of the biggest yeah. accomplishments. Mayor Tadaraba, thank you for bringing this to my attention so I could bring it to everybody's attention. Mm-hmm. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. So everybody, please, Sunday is the art site of Ellie Cohen.
good idea, especially as we're home with our families, to remind our children that uh, we could play a role in memorializing someone properly. Eli Ben Shaul Visofia HaKohen. Eli Ben Shaul Visofia HaKohen. Tet Zion ER. The 16th of uh, ER is his yard site. JM the M Friday on this Pesach Shani. Uh, Erev Shabbos Parshas Amor with candle lighting at 739 on this Erev Shabbos here in New York. Sunday's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Um, Tuesday's Lagba Omer. We'll do our full Jewish music show on Tuesday. I hope you'll be with us. And I uh, hope you're ready for an amazing program on Tuesday of great music. Um, support us. Keep us going by supporting our 2020 fundraiser at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. By the way, Naomi Nachman will start at 9.30. It's a 30-minute show, so Naomi's table for two will be on at 9.30. And then at 10 o'clock, our Erev Shabbos music mix sponsored by the wonderful people at Kedem. It's all coming up if you keep it at the Nachum Siegel Network. I know. 
J.M. in the A.M. 613. Pretty good, huh? Oh, yes. Pretty good. Time to say good Shabbos for all of us at J.M. in the A.M.
Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. And that closes out yet another amazing week for us here at JMM, and I thank all of you for tuning in. A big thank you to all of our donors, those who bring giving and continue to give at fjbunity.org. FJBUnity.org. A table for two. Naomi Nachman will be on at 9.30 Eastern time today, followed by the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos music mix all the way until candle lighting time. Tomorrow night, Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler with Saturday Night Siegel. Uh, Sunday, it's Matis and Rabbi Goldwasser with JM Sunday. I am back here Monday morning. And Tuesday, don't forget, is Lagba Omer. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. And happy Pesach Sheni on this Erev Shabbos. Enjoy the matzah. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.